really happy it's Friday. I have had such a hard time sleeping. I mean, I normally don't need sleep, but this week has been rough. <laughs> um, anyhow, I really, it's like I dread nighttime. I dread, I hate, like, we, I wake up at like three and I make myself stay in bed till 4.30. But it's just like, nighttime is the longest period of time for me imaginable. But I'm happy to see the sky looks a little pink. I think it's going to be a warm day. The days are definitely getting longer and it just feels so nice. But often when I can't sleep, I have a pile of books by my bedside. And one of them is that I grab all the time because I think it's so good and I can't get enough of it is Daring Greatly. And it's just such a good book. And last night, sometimes I just, I don't read cover to cover. Like I'll just open up a chapter and I kind of feel like, that's what I'm supposed to be reading. And last night I started reading about, I literally turned to the page that said understanding and combating shame. And it was so interesting because shame is not something that is ever addressed. Um, and I read the first paragraph kind of sucked me in and I'm just going to read it to you. It says, shame derives its power from being unspeakable. That's why it loves perfectionists. It's so easy to keep us quiet. If we cultivate enough awareness about shame to name it and speak to it, we've basically cut it off at the knees. Shame hates having words wrapped around it. If we speak shame, it begins to wither. Just the way exposure to light was deadly for the gremlins, language and story bring light to shame and destroy it. Just like Roosevelt advised, when we dare greatly, we will err and we will come up short again and again. There will be failures and mistakes and criticisms. If we want to be able to move through the difficult disappointments, the hurt feelings and the heartbreaks that are inevitable in a fully lived life, we can't equate defeat with being unworthy of love, belonging and joy. If we do, we'll never show up and try again. Shame hangs out in the parking lot of the arena, waiting for us to come out defeated and determined to never take risks. It laughs and says, I told you this was a mistake. I knew you weren't blank enough. Shame resilience is the ability to say, this hurts, this is disappointing, maybe even devastating, but success and recognition and approval are not the values that drive me. My value is courage and I was just courageous. You can move on, shame. Wow. <laughs> that was like such a powerful passage for me to open up to at three o'clock in the morning. And I kept read reading and I thought, wow, it's such a, it is a topic that no one talks about. Again, like I was discussing yesterday, no one talks about death and dying and grief. No one talks about shame either. And that shame that lurks inside all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, we all have it. And that's what this book went on to say. And it was so good. This is a good book. You should really pick it up. If you just want a good like psych psychology book that just talks about the self and being vulnerable and, and being adventurous and daring, it's such a great book. I highly recommend it. I've read it cover to cover, which is a rare occurrence for me.
Um, I have a lot of books that I just keep as reference materials and I flip through them. I've read this one cover to cover and I literally keep referring back to it because it's so good. And it, it speaks to the topic of shame and how, um, I would love to see this woman do a presentation, but you know, she speaks to shame that we all have it, that it's universal and it's a primitive emotion that we all experience. And, you know, if you have the capacity to be empathetic, then you have shame and people are afraid to talk about it. And the less we talk about it, the more control it has over us. And there are many reasons why people are shameful, you know, appearance, parenting, mental health, whatever your vice may be. If you're old, you know, aging can be shameful or surviving some kind of trauma some kind of stereotype. If you're a minority, if you're heavy, if you're skinny, if you're too skinny, if you're a parent, if you're a single mom, if you're um, divorced, if you're uh, religion, and you know, if you have a religion that, that people don't admire or respect, or whatever it is, there are many reasons why people are ashamed. And it's all cultural, of course. And, um, you know, losing your job, not having enough money. There's a million reasons why people are filled with shame. And um, that's, that's all individual. And you have to understand what your shame is. And because it's the pain that lurks inside of you. And it's, it's sort of the struggle that we have when we don't feel perfect, I think. I think it's, um, it's a hard emotion to understand, but it is it's sort of like what we feel bad about that lurks inside of ourself based on society, our family, our guilt, whatever it is that hasn't lived up to the perfect outcome. You know, for me, maybe it's divorce. And in truth, you know, being a single parent, I always like make sure that I use a hyphenated name because I don't want people to think I've had children out of wedlock. And that's my thing is like, I raised my kids by myself, but I was married, you know, and, um, I'm not ashamed to be a single parent, but society certainly would like to put me in a category and would like to define me. And, you know, even for instance, I was in church at my aunt's funeral and I went up for communion and I'm Catholic. And my uncle said to me, you know, you shouldn't have gone up for communion. And I was like, why? <laughs> what did I do now? He's like, you're divorced. You're not supposed to do that. And I was like, oh, please. You know, I don't, I'm not one to feel shame on the exterior because I'm a very confident person. But I was like, seriously, I'm not supposed to go up for communion because I'm oh, I'm being punished because I'm a bad person. I mean, the Catholic Church will absolutely make you feel shameful. Even just to be born and breathe is to be, you should be shameful, filled with, you're born with shame. So I don't, I'm not gonna go there because I, I don't believe in some aspects of my religion. I think it's absurd um, and antiquated and misogynistic, but I'm not gonna go there. Um, but. But yeah, the church will definitely make you feel ashamed of your whatever it is that you're not supposed to be enjoying or, or 
if it's not according to the rules of the church, you're definitely going to feel shame. I don't because I don't care. Um, but there are that whole thing of like being a single parent. Like I know it's not celebrated. It's certainly not celebrated. I celebrate it because my kids have turned out wonderfully and it's, it's actually, um, worked out very well for my family. My kids are doing great. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. And I put all my energy into my family and we're darn okay. But you know, that title of like, oh, you're a single parent. Oh, you're divorced. I have a cousin who said, you're not divorced, you're single. And I was like, you know what? He's right. I'm going to start saying I'm single because why do I have to define myself as a divorced person? Because the next thing that comes is, oh, how long have you been divorced? And I've been divorced for 18, 19, 20 years. And it's like, why am I still talking about the fact that I'm divorced? I was married for not even 10 years. That shouldn't be the defining, uh, the defining characteristic of my being. So I'm no longer saying that. And I'm thankful for him for saying, you know what, you're not, you don't have to say that. And I'm like, you're right. I don't have to say it. And it goes back to one of my podcasts where I discuss, um, you know, when you go to the doctor's office or many different instances where they ask if you're single, married, divorced. And it's like, who cares what I am? Who cares? I mean, again, that's why I love living in the city. Nobody cares. Nobody asks. Everybody's nice. When you live in suburbia and, you know, it's like torture to be divorced and to raise your kids alone. Nobody understands it unless you've done it. It's a form of torture, truly. And I stayed there far too long. Um, But, you know, I did it for my kids and I, I wanted them to have, you know, the yard, the house. I, once I moved into my house, I dug my heels in and said, I'm not moving until my kids are grown and whether I like it or hate it. And I did not like it. I didn't see people and people weren't overly friendly. I mean, I had, I had friends, but you know, no one wants a single woman around. They just don't. So, or a divorced woman, I should say. Um, I remember my neighbor got remarried and his wife, his new wife made it very clear that she was moving in and that she was going to marry my neighbor. And it was like so weird. You know, would she have acted that way if I were married? Of course not. So it's like, just because I'm single, you think I'm after your husband? Please. The last thing I wanted to do was to date anyone in my town. That would be the last thing on earth I would ever do. I didn't even remotely act like I was interested in anybody in my town. I would never do that to my kids or to myself. Um, But people don't know that. And they just see you, you know, happy living. And they're like, what's up with her? I know a lot of people didn't understand me in that town. And I didn't really care. But it wasn't an easy place to feel good because you weren't included. You know, I got dropped from all of the parties that... You know, I don't, one aspect about being divorced that really bothered me more than actually getting divorced, that the most upsetting part was my friendships that I thought I could count on people. My father had died. I was alone with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I thought I had a great group of friends, 
My ex-husband took a really good job that he needed to take in California. Um, we didn't get divorced right away. We got divorced like a year after he moved away. But the minute he moved away, my friends dropped me so fast. And I remember feeling like, wow, I thought I could count on this network of people. Um, I'll be fine. You know, I have a strong group. They, they're, they're nice to my kids. They dropped me and they dropped my kids, which meant my kids didn't have their friendships. They were three and five. So, I mean, it's really nasty. And I, that's something that remains a bone of contention with me. I, I feel awful about that. And I'm, I think those people I hold in strong, uh, I just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it always will because I think it's horrible and um, they wouldn't be able to survive a year the way I lived. There's no way they would have crumbled. So um, a lot of them too are like, they're, they've gotten divorced now in their later years. I was like 35, 34. I mean, I got divorced when no one got divorced when their kids were little. Um, so I definitely did not have the support. And, you know, a lot of them have gotten divorced now that their kids are, have grown. And, you know, I wish them well, but it's like they haven't had a clue. They would have no idea how to deal with what I had to deal with. And I do feel, um, so when you speak to shame, I think people tried to make me feel shameful. It really made me just mad, actually. I didn't feel shameful because my kids are doing great. And they're doing better than many uh, two-parent families. So I don't hold shame for that, but I do, uh, I don't like the fact that people try to make you feel that way. And I don't think it's nice. And um, back to the reason why I'm back in the city, I'm so happy living here because everybody's so welcoming and nice. Nobody cares what your marital status is or your kids if you have them or don't or whatever nobody cares people are living their life they're happy not everybody's happy but you're not stuck in that competitive where are your kids going to school it's all anybody cared about um and it's just it's just a superficiality that i don't care for but anyhow um it, it, so when you're in that environment it's hard not to feel like shame if you're you know sort of act, people act that way but, you know, you have to be strong and you have to not have people, if they're not careful, people can make you feel shameful. And you know what? If you make choices that are different than other people, so be it. You don't have to apologize for your life choices. You know, you don't. And no one should make you feel that way. And if they do, then, you know, find new friends. That's what I did. Thank God. I found great friends that I, that I could count on, but it was sort of the shakeup of that. And, you know, you have to have resilience, you know, you have to have resilience to shame and you can't fear the disconnection that, that comes with shame. You have to have resilience and, you know, recognize areas in your life where you might feel shame and, physically recognize what the feeling of shame is and be aware of it and understand where it's coming from and and sort of own it and talk to it and and speak about it you know 
what is it that you feel shameful about and why sort of get to the bottom of it and don't ignore those bad feelings you know you have to have a strategy for protecting your own well-being and you know resilience requires cognition or thinking and that's where shame has a huge advantage you know we can be hijacked by the emotions um where we're just feeling you know attacked and insecure and vulnerable but when you confront it and you say oh you know what i feel ashamed because i am blank you know acknowledge it and understand where it comes from and once you understand where it comes from you can defend yourself against it and and don't hide from it you know everything that you hide from and you don't acknowledge becomes bigger and more powerful over your being and that's you know you have to confront the internal sense of what we feel bad about and and you have to recognize what that is and you have to attack it and that's up to you to do and it it's a strategy you know and it's it starts with recognizing that we all have some form of shame and then acknowledging it understanding where it comes from and then putting it to rest and that can only come from you and and you have to rise above it um but don't be afraid to stare it in the mirror and say you know what what do i feel bad about you know am i overweight am i too skinny am i i feel embarrassed because you know i'm not a size 2 whatever it is and then just come to grips with it if there's something you can change change it if you want and if not embrace it embrace what and who you are embrace it and acknowledge it and rise to the occasion but don't just suffer in silence and feel bad about yourself there's no need to do that it's up to you though no one can make you feel better about who you are only yourself so if you have those issues um you really need to address them and this is something that I'm going to be addressing in one of my master classes you know recognizing shame acknowledging your shortcomings and then using them uh turning them into your strengths and and overcoming them so um hold on to that thought and in a few weeks i will have a class that addresses all of this and for those of you that are interested um i hope you take the time to work on it because there are so many exercises you can do that don't take a long time that will adjust your way of thinking and can help you uh live in a different way where you feel confident and proud and happy and it'll make such a difference in your life so um have a great day thank you for listening to embracing life 101